I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Are you a prisoner of unforgiveness? Because he wants to set you free. And it's weird because that's one of those prisons we just don't like to let him free us from. (laughs) One of the keys to our freedom is what I've been calling the LPG, which stands for, you tell me, that's right, the Lord's Prayer Guide. Uh, Because the more I study this, the more I am convinced that Jesus himself said, pray this way daily. Daily, and he gives us an incredible framework. And so we're, we're learning to pray this way. Here's the recap. Adore our dad. He says, start off with that. And then revere our creator. And then hallow our God. And we saw that that directly means discussing our obedience and trust or the lack thereof. And then kneel to our king, specifically to plan the advance of his kingdom. Thy kingdom come. And then yield to his Will, will, wheel, his will, because he's the Lord, master of our life. And then request just enough dough. We talked about just enough so we're not distracted from our true bread of life. And then confess our mess. We saw that last Sunday. Confess our mess, and I love that picture. To start out fresh with our sins washed away and our slate wiped clean. Because as we saw last night, I don't think I've ever had so many double entendres as I did last Sunday. And one of the things we saw last Sunday is that when it comes to asking Dad to uh, forgive us our daily debts, it's our duty. Yeah, waiting for it to sink in. But that's only half of it. That's only half of it. Because today we're looking at a, uh, the clause that's attached to our cleansing. Because that's only half of the sentence. There is a clause. It's the only clause in the Lord's Prayer, and it's attached to our cleansing with the word as. I want you to say this with me and really emphasize all of the cap, all cap letter words there. You ready? Here we go. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Hold that thought. Something's going on up here that you're not aware of. The leak is back. Yeah, we just had it fixed again. I kept hearing this little, <laughs> little ding, ding, ding. It's like, what's going on? Did I put down the right place? Oh, we got a couple. Catch them both. No, no problem. It's just coming out of the light. <laughs> Oh my, okay, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And that is referring to those who owe us, who owe us an apology and they haven't paid up. Or they owe us like just some remorse for something they did or a confession, just admit it. Or they owe us repentance or restitution or all of the above. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those, our debtors. And the thing is, his clause 
is really easy to ignore when our claws come out. And so, Jesus, this is really funny because he picks up this thought the moment he says amen. He goes right back to like, watch how he does this. And so it's, forgive us our debts as, as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation. This is Jesus teaching them how to pray. Uh, but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever for, which means because, or, or you see, about that as we forgive our debtors, he now goes on saying, for if you, and it's just so funny that as soon as he says amen, he goes right back to this. Because he knows that it's real easy to overlook. Because if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And so I want you to notice, he goes from the word for debts to the word for trespasses. He goes from debts, that's what others should have done, what they owe, but didn't do for you. So they owe. But now, with trespasses, that's what people, they crossed the line. They, they went where they shouldn't. It's what they shouldn't have done, but they did to you. And so it covers the full spectrum. And then he ends by saying, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses when you cross the line. And why is that? He can't, because see, what we owe... What we owe our Father, who is our righteous judge, when we're asking for forgiveness, that we're standing before our judge. We owe him the paying forward of the same grace and mercy that we've received. In fact, just after washing the feet of Judas, the night before his crucifixion, and Jesus knew this guy's going to betray him, Jesus washes his feet, and then he said to his disciples, I, I, as, as the ultimate mentor, that's how we see him today, the ultimate mentor, I have set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. So we don't have a choice. We must learn from our mentor and wash the feet of our trespassers, those who trample on us and cross that line. And, and so this is one sentence with these two halves. And the reason this goes hand in hand with our own cleansing, the, the forgiving of others, is because of the two greatest barriers to peace and joy. They go hand in hand. The two greatest barriers to peace and joy, the first is guilt. Guilt. And guilt comes from the bad that we do to others. And so we feel guilty. And the only true and lasting relief is to, we saw this last week, is to confess our mess and receive forgiveness. Guilt. The second big barrier, resentment. Guilt and resentment. And resentment comes from the bad that others do to us. Their messes. On us. And the only true and lasting relief is to profess our pain and offer forgiveness. That's it. Two sides of the same coin, they go hand in hand. So, the very best way that we can ever pray for true and lasting peace and joy, I want to pray for peace and joy in my life. Well, then forgive us our debts as I forgive my debtor. 
It's to sincerely ask our judge to forgive our messes as we, like our master mentor, forgive those who made a mess on us, made a mess against us. And so when it comes to this portion of the LPG, we, we pray the, the second half of the phrase, as we forgive our debtors, and we pause. We pause to recall anyone we hold anything against. And then we personalize this portion by forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you and not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good and then wipe away guilt and resentment and powder yourself with true and lasting peace and joy daily daily starting out fresh I don't know if you were here for it, but uh, do you remember my challenge to try physically kneeling uh, before our king when discussing the advancing of his king, your plans to advance? They said, you know, just for the fun of, of trying it, when you come to that part of the Lord's Prayer in the morning, Kneel down, because and, and, you're kneeling before your king. You know, go on one knee and talk about the advancement of his kingdom and, and just be fun to try, because and, and, it helps you feel the, what's actually taking place. Okay, well today, I'm thinking maybe we should try standing before our judge, before the throne, when we ask for the forgiveness. Because Paul says, when you stand Praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. So that your Father in heaven, sounds like the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, may forgive you your sins. Free him up. Free him up so he can. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, I thought, you know, actually standing, just trying it. To physically stand and see yourself standing before the throne, because now I'm, I'm asking the judge. He's my dad. My creator. He's all those things. But he's also the righteous judge. And to actually stand before our judge's throne of grace while asking for forgiveness would likely help to drive us to lean heavily on our, our high priest, our loving high priest, and learn from our master mentor who clearly says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, no, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain, look at this, that we may obtain mercy. That's the one thing we want to do. And find grace to help in time of need. Find grace to help in time of need. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Well, the answer to that is plenty. Plenty. They crucified Jesus. They murdered most of the apostles. What can man do to me? Oh my goodness, let's start a list. 
So you see, fearlessness to forgive isn't based on ignorance. It's based on courage that comes from focusing on our mighty mentor. I mean, compared to him, what, what can man do to me? Compared. What, what could man do to me that could, that could cause me to deviate from my path? When it comes to us forgiving others, we, we just have to realize in our heart that it's not about our graciousness to them. I'm just so wonderful. I'm going to extend grace to all these people who hate on me. It's not about our graciousness to them. It's about our gratefulness to him. There is no compelling reason to forgive those who've hurt me. I'm sorry. I'm not God. I don't think that way. And it's like, oh, out of the kindness of my heart, I just want to, to shower the people who hate me with love. I don't. I don't. There's no compelling reason to forgive those who've hurt me if I only see it as my generosity. I don't feel like being generous, but it's so important, so critical. I'm empowered to forgive when I begin to see it as my gratitude to Christ who died while he cried, Father, forgive them for the right to forgive me. So you see my conclusion. To be unforgiving is to be ungrateful to God. And, and that's just the worst. And to illustrate this, Jesus tells about these two co-workers in debt. The wicked servant or the unmerciful servant. Or the, or the, there's another one. Unwicked, unmerciful. And there's a third one they call it the ungrateful I like that one, the ungrateful servant. I like the picture. It's an old painting, but the guy's just throttling his co-worker. That's how we feel sometimes with our co-workers. Well, in the story, one, one guy owes the boss about, in modern-day money, $6 billion. It's meant to be comically large. This amount could never be paid back. And the boss cancels his debt completely. But then this wicked guy, he turns right around and throws his co-worker into a debtor's prison uh, for a sizable but much smaller debt. And I got to be honest, this comparable has always bothered me. I don't like this parable. I've taught on this parable and I've never felt real good about it. It's just very, very bothersome. It's not a, it's just, here, take a look. Here's why. It starts off okay here at the end. The master called in, but that word for master is Lord. The master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? So far, so good. Jesus will tell us that the the master there represents our father. Here's where it gets weird. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. He unforgives us. He reimposes the debt that's canceled on the cross? And there's no second chance here in the story. That boss isn't about to forgive this guy a second time. And he's not getting out until he repays everything. And he's not put in a debtor's prison where there's a chance of restitution. He's turned over to be tortured. And this is what dad will do if we don't forgive someone. 
Do I have to be saved again? He took away my forgiveness and he, he uncanceled my canceled debt. You see my problem? When you really look at it, it's like, and people will say, well, you can't press an analogy too far. Press it. That is the analogy. We're not pressing anything. Jesus said, that's how my father will be. Okay, well, I tell you all this because we got a solution. You see, uh, uh, Pastor John and I, we went after it uh, at my sermon meeting on Tuesday. I have sermon meetings every Tuesday, usually with John and Noah. This week was just John. Pastor John, and I have to tell you, because I like you to know uh, what we're like behind the scenes, uh, those meetings can get a little heated, and by a little heated, I mean very heated, and almost always because of me. And I just have to admit that I get so frustrated when I'm too blind to make Scripture make sense, because I know it's me, and I know it's not the Bible, but I, don't, I can't see it, and I get really upset, and I take it out on John and Noah. And so John was just as bothered about the, the passage, wanting it to make sense, but he didn't like my, I had a fix that involved a couple hoops, and I didn't really like it, but I'm looking for a fix, and he didn't like my fix, and then he starts using my logic against me. How dare he? <laughs> and as we're going back and forth, he, and we're saying different thoughts about it, he, he has this epiphany. And he just says what is obviously the solution. And I just stopped and I said, you win. You win. And he's polite. It's Pastor John. He's polite. He tries to downplay. And I said, no, you win. You did it. Your way is so much better than mine. It's airtight. It has depth. Want to see what he said? Uh, That's rhetorical. You have absolutely no choice in the matter. Um, But I will tell you this, it's all about what the, the, the jerk in the parable, it's all about what the jerk owes and who it is, who, who it's to and why. And it's so funny because we'll read a parable and we'll automatically assign like, oh, this, this king has this, is doing this and this personality. And then we go, oh, God's like that. Instead of, you know, doing the obvious thing where we go, well, we know what God's like. So why don't we start with, so we know what the king has to be like. And see if we can work it out from there. Well, that's basically what John did. But we got to back up because it all begins when Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. So, okay, where's Peter come up with seven times? It's like, and I know, commentators say, and I have taught, that seven is, uh, it's regarded as a number of completion, a perfect number, and sure, why not? Okay, but it's not Peter's reason. This is one of those wonderful moments where weaving the word, taking the same story in two gospels and stitching them together completes the picture. I'll put up Matthew's in purple, Luke's in green, and uh, Luke provides the key. Luke's just right at the beginning, before Matthew really takes off. Jesus said, if your brother, uh, let me get this going, if your brother sins against you, go, rebuke him, Luke adds, and show him his fault. We really like that part, by the way, right? Show show them their fault. One of the translations said, point out their faults. (laughs) Yeah, we're happy with that. Till we realize it's with gentleness and love, and then, okay. So, and just between the two of you, this is, you're trying to make reconciliation happen. If he listens to you, and now watch Luke, because he 
inserts this. And if he repents, Jesus says, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times, that's where Peter got it from. It's what Jesus said. But look, against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. You have won your brother over. Okay? But if he will not listen, well, then we have to seek reconciliation. Take one or two others along, meaning who can help him understand so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses, two or three gathered together in his name. If he refuses to listen to them, we'll seek further reconciliation and tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen, Jesus says, even to the church, then treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. How's, how's that, Jesus? Oh, weren't you listening just a little earlier? I told you to love your enemies, and I said, you better love them, and I quote, or you're no better than a pagan or a tax collector. So treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Love them as an enemy. Jesus says, I tell you the truth concerning forgiving. Whatever you bind or retain on earth will be bound, retained in heaven. And whatever you let go of, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. A little bit later, not long uh, after, Jesus says, if you retain the sin, the sins of any, they are retained. Now look what Jesus says. Again, I tell you, we're still on the same topic. Again, I tell you in a different way concerning seeking reconciliation, that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, when you're talking about going to the guy with, with the, yourself and then with the two and then to the church and then afterwards when you realize there's no hope and so you just have to love him like an enemy, any of that stuff, you ask, it will be done for you. Dad will help you do it. My Father in heaven. For where two or three come together, that's, now you get the context of what we're talking about, in my name to help with this process, there I am with them. Then, Peter, here we go. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, it's the word curios, it means master. Lord, master, same word throughout the rest of this and into the parable. How many times shall I... Now, he heard what Jesus said, right? Seven times a day. Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? You know, a day, like, like you said. He's trying to find some kind of wiggle room. So just up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, not seven times. I mean, if you're looking for a number, this is about attitude, not arithmetic. So uh, let's just say 77 times. Therefore, Jesus went on to say to Peter the following parable in all of that context. Jesus, at the end of this parable, says, and so that's how you forgive a brother. This is all one piece. And so he says to Peter, look, the kingdom of heaven, Peter, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000, that was the largest number they had a name for, uh, talents, which is the largest unit of currency they had, he's making a point, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master, Kyrios, Lord, ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt, Peter, which, you know, Peter's the only disciple that we're told had a wife and a house and a household. 
Uh, well, the servant fell on his knees before him, which, interestingly enough, is exactly what Peter did right before he became an apostle. Fell on his knees and pleaded with Jesus, go away from me, I'm a sinner. This guy fell on his knees and said, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master, uh, Lord, took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's a hundred days wages. So his debt is not minor, just minor in comparison. Okay. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Well, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he, unlike the Lord, refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the 100-day debt that he owed him. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master lord everything that had happened. Then the master lord called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. And canceled debt can not be reimposed legally and certainly not, by, not as an analogy for what God does with our sin. And so the king's really upset because he can't reimpose it. But look what he says. He says, but you owe something to something. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? You owe you owe him something because you owe me something. And see, in that, right there, that's what he owes. That's the mercy that he owes the fellow servant that he threw in the prison. That's still hanging there. At the end of the parable, the other guy's still hanging in his debtor's prison. I well, don't hang in there, actually. That's work release. Uh, he owes mercy to his fellow servant, and he owes honor to his master and lord. Well, what can the king do? Can't reinstate the debt. Aha, uh -huh, brilliant. In anger, his master, Lord, turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he, the ungrateful servant, should pay back all the mercy he owed his fellow servant in honor of his gracious Lord. And so think about it. You get it? He only gets out of the dungeon by releasing his fellow servant from the debtor's prison. <laughs> That's really good, because that really matches our father. He says, you're going to be tormented until you pay all the mercy you owe him because of all the honor you owe me. And so you're just going to be tortured until you show it. You pay him. And then he gets out and you get out. And that's when Jesus says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you, Peter, unless you forgive and loose the unpaid debts of your brother. It's not just 77. Got to do it from your heart. Now, the strange thing about this dungeon is that there's no lock on the door. And I'll tell you why. Because that tormentor, the torturer that dad turns us over to, 
turns out to be our own resentful heart. Plenty of scriptures on that, how he's turned them over to their this, that, and the other heart, bitter heart, lustful heart, angry heart. You see, as long as we hold a grudge, it holds us in bondage and torments us, tortures us. And to get out, we got to release the other guy. It's brilliant. We got to release the other guy or gal that we're holding in our little debtor's prison. But you see, sometimes we're so afraid of letting the other guy off the hook that we just keep hanging. We just keep hanging on to our animosity and hostility and bitterness, not realizing that's the dungeon of our torment. And we're as free as we want to be. Just got to let the other guy out. The prison you threw him in. And the worst of the worst, I mean, if I really look deep at myself, oh, embarrassing. The worst, the worst of the worst is when one of our offenders sincerely says, I'm sorry, but we're not ready to let him off the hook yet. So we stay in the dungeon after they're released. They're out. And we're still in that dungeon fantasizing about how this is really getting them. If there's anyone you'd rather see suffer than receive undeserved mercy like yours, what you received, then I'll tell you this, that grudge has still got you on the hook in the pit. And you may be numb to it, but you're being tormented. You're in prison. Jesus wants to set you free. That's why the Apostle Paul lovingly, strongly warns us, do not take revenge, my friends, my friends, I'm your friend, but don't take Revenge, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written. We got a written warning. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And I will repay. It's also a promise. I will, trust me. You see, clear back in the beginning, this is where it kind of started. The Lord said, if anyone kills Cain, Cain was the son of Adam and Eve who killed his brother. And God says, I, I'm doing a work in Cain. You guys don't get to. And so he makes this announcement. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer, you know, vengeance to the hands of God seven times over. Ah, oh, and then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. And Jesus, Jesus answered, you didn't read far enough. You just got to go just a little further down the page after Cain. Because you see Cain's great-great-grandson Lamech, a little later, said, I've killed a man for wounding me. Why? Because God's wrath uh, wasn't, wasn't good enough. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech, 77 times. That's us right there. That's what we do. You wound me, I kill you. We're wired to desire holy wrath, vengeance. Our childish problem is that we think uh, it's within our grasp to dispense it ourselves while under the influence of emotions. But our Lord's vengeance isn't 
contaminated with selfishness and sinfulness and short-sightedness like ours. In fact, it's carried out with perfect impartiality and unconditional love to accomplish a much higher purpose. So understand, when we take revenge, we are taking something precious from dad, which means we're packing on more debt load of our own. Ever had, and I know a lot of you have, ever had a kid make a mess on you while you're changing their diaper? Yeah? (laughs) That's what we're like. That's what we're like when we're standing before the throne. We're asking our Father for cleansing while messing around with unforgiveness. You see why it's one sentence and two parts? Standing there asking to have your mess cleansed and cleaned up while you're making a mess of unforgiveness. So I just want to say real quickly, because we've covered this before, but I want you just to remember, forgiving does not necessarily mean forgetting. It doesn't mean justifying or downplaying or resolving or legally pardoning or trusting. Okay? What we're talking about is is a gift. It's purely a gift of gratitude and trust to dad. That's why I'm letting this go. I'm canceling this thing that's owed to me to honor and glorify his name by choosing to begin to see each enemy as being just as messy and beloved as me. It's a process, but it's the decision to choose to begin to see it. So let's relax in dad's rock-solid assurance of upholding justice so we can focus on upholding our end. Got to hold up our end of the bargain as he wipes away our sin. And we got to start canceling out those outstanding debts. We owe him that much, right? In fact, we owe God the glory of showing the world his love one canceled debt at a time by paying forward the undeserved mercy that we've so richly received. It's a good place to stop. Let's now uh, memorize together what we'll personalize alone. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.